Welcome to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. There are so many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries, musicians, reformers, authors, or wives and mothers. Their examples are inspirational to us all. This is Cheryl Broderson. My co-host, Robin, is not in studio with me today, but that's all right, because I have somebody that I have been dying uh, for you listeners to meet. Um, You know, every once in a while, we get someone who's still alive, because we talk about a lot of women that are in heaven, and it's so exciting to see someone right now who is serving Jesus. And that's what we have. We have Dr. Elizabeth Imuku. And um, I had to practice that name. She had to help me with it, but I am so glad I did. And um, Elizabeth, you live in Uganda. Yes, I do. Um, So she's come all the way from Uganda just to do this program with us. No, not really. She's come for a conference, but we stole her. And uh, we get the opportunity to hear her. So, Elizabeth, I want to start a little bit um, about, uh, tell me a little bit about the culture that you grew up with in Uganda. Well, uh, Uganda has diverse cultures. Um, we have different tribes. Um, but uh, I grew up uh, in a family. My dad is uh, from the eastern part of Uganda from a tribe called the Iteso. And my mom is from another tribe, the Basoga. Well, they're both from the East. So growing up, I grew up in a kind of mixed culture, the Mm -hmm. Iteso and the Basoga. But there's something common about these cultures because um, we grew up uh, really um, in this kind of environment where for us children highly respected their elders Yes. You know, we were the kind that you did not speak back mm-hmm. at elders. When they said something, even when it was wrong, mm-hmm. you just had to listen, you know, and keep quiet. So we're respectful of our elders. And um, I also grew up from a family that um, was Christian, not born again. My dad was Episcopal, is Episcopal. My mom is Catholic. And they instilled uh, Christian values in us. And, and and so we went to pray. It's interesting how they did this because what happened is um, one Sunday we went to the Episcopal Church and another Sunday we went to the Catholic Church. So we had kind of a blend of both Episcopal and uh, and, and, and uh, the Catholic because I think they, they wanted us to understand that we are free to choose which direction we wanted to go. So that is the kind of culture that I grew in. And then also, one other thing is um, for elders, we, we kind of, and that's something I kind of picked up. I haven't practiced so well, but for the ladies, we respected the men by kneeling. Mm. Oh my goodness. You know, you couldn't stand up, you know, at them. You had to kneel, and it was a sign of respect. Is that when they like entered a room? You would kneel down, or is when when you're greeting them, mm-hmm. you'd have to kneel down. It's kind of respectful. Mm-hmm. Of course, now with so much of the feminists, they're like, "How do you kneel?" and and everything like that. But now, was it just to like the the father and the husband, or was it to um, you know another man outside the house or just in the home? It was the father, mm-hmm. 
the husband or someone, a man that was older okay. than you. Wow. You know, so mm-hmm. that was kind of respectful because they thought it was disrespectful if you stood up. Mm. And and so that is a way that um, we had to show our respect for them. And and that is something that I I, I loved. I, I don't do it so much <laughs> because every time I, I've tried to do it for my husband, he's like, oh, my, you can be kneeling Physically, but in the heart, you're standing up. So I was like, (laughs) I'll not do it here. So that is the culture that I I, I grew up. Um, So what was, um, you know, when we see pictures of um, Uganda, you know, um, often we see like, you know, animals and then you you see the cities that are a little bit overcrowded. So what was like um, the area that you grew up in? Oh, I grew up in the city. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very busy. Uh, my dad, uh, growing up, was uh, one of the ministers in the government then. Ooh. Was that under Idi Amin? Or no, was it was under Obote. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom at the time was uh, lecturing at mm-hmm. the university. Mm-hmm. And so um, we went, at the beginning, we went to best schools, very good schools, you know. We had a good life. But uh, about the time when I was in, um, in, in in Uganda, we call it P3. I don't know what grade it would be here, but I was about um, nine years. Mm-hmm. That is when uh, we had a war that took out Obote and uh, we had to run for our lives. Mm-hmm. Wow. My dad had to hide because uh, they were looking for him. Oh, my goodness. And we had to be taken to um, a an aunt's place to stay there because during that time my dad injured himself. He had to be taken to hospital and he was not available to take care of us. My mom had to go and look after him. It was a difficult time and uh, after that season, my dad didn't have a job, my mom didn't have a job. We had to cram ourselves into a very small room that eventually the university she was working in gave her while they mm. looked for a place to stay. Mm. So the five of us, because it was me, my dad, my mom, and my two siblings, my brother and sister. So we had to cram ourselves in this one room and from having so much to having so little. And um, But eventually we moved into another house and my we had to start picking the pieces from there. My mom went back to her university job, and um, over the years she she grew in ranks. And uh, my dad was a lawyer before he was a minister, so he went back to his law practice. But there's so much that we learned during that time, you know. And uh, like Paul was saying, I have learned to live with so much and with so little. And so many times I tell our children, you know, Going through this season taught me to live with so much, but also appreciate having so little because things change in a blink of an eye. And uh, after that, of course, um, we went to school, uh, continued with our schooling, and um, God was so gracious. He provided abundantly. Yes, it was little, but we're happy with that because we were family. And um, I want to, you know, just say, because 
I, I think, you know, the culture is so different. What's an average meal that you ate as a child? And let's talk about what you ate when there was plenty and what you ate when there was scarcity. When there was plenty, um, my mom used to bake. So I think every day she made each of us bake a cake, whatever cake we wanted. Oh, my goodness. And so we had custard, we had uh, cereal, you know. And wow, (laughs) so much. And uh, we had um, chicken, Mm -hmm. beef, you know, and uh, fish. So that is what we ate when we had plenty. When we didn't have much, we had to eat beans Mm -hmm. almost every day. Yeah. And posho, you know, that posho is ground corn. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we ate every day. Wow. I remember one time uh, at my uncle's place, we had a maid that um, cooked uh, food, and I think she put so much salt. And I was thinking to myself, this, you know, for me, it was something that I wanted to eat, <laughs> but he was so mad, and uh, he he poured the food away. No. We had to eat bread. <laughs> no. Like, oh my, for that night, we had to eat bread. And uh, so that is what we ate, uh, basically. So from having so much, having all that mm-hmm. <laughs> dessert and mm-hmm. all that food, to down to posho and beans. Mm. That's not easy for children. It's not easy for children. No. But I think for us, it was the love that surrounded all that. It's, it's like we didn't kind of notice that transition Something that we accepted. That's your parents. Yes. That's definitely your I think of that scripture in Proverbs that says, better is a meal of vegetables than a fatted calf yeah. without love. Yeah. So, oh, I like that. Okay, so you continued your education, which was amazing too. Picking up the pieces, because yes. I interrupted to know, what did you eat? <laughs> <laughs> yes, continued my education. But during the time that my parent, my dad was in the hospital, we had to be taken to boarding school. Oh. And we were mad, but we kind of understood the situation. We were taken to my uncle's place first, but my uncle had his family, and it was difficult for him to take care of all of us, the mm-hmm. three of us, my brother and my sister. So we were taken to a boarding school, and it was owned by Catholics. The head teacher of that school was a cousin to my mom. Oh. So Mm -hmm. I think they thought, okay, let's take them there. They'll be well taken care of. But while we're at school, um, one of the nuns realized that there was a relationship to the head teacher and made it hell for us. You know, and... uh, That's crazy. My sister was a year ahead of me, and one of those days uh, we had to trek about um, a mile or two to get water on our heads. Okay, now that's <laughs> very different than life here in Costa Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we, one of those days she asked me to go and get water for her, and while we are running down, uh, to get that water. The kids who had been in boarding school earlier ran ahead and left me all alone. And this was at dawn. It was still dark. Mm-mm. And I was so scared. And of course, I went, got the water, came back alone, all alone, pitch dark, darkness, and um, of course, put that water there. And uh, they had to do kind of like a roll call 
to see if we had brought in our water. And while I was there, I was thinking to myself, why am I going through this suffering? Mm. At nine years old, mm-hmm. you know, being let out in the night to get this water. And um, I prayed that I, I would get out of this school. Um, luckily, my mom eventually got her university job back as um, a lecturer. And uh, so we had to move. They moved us out of that school. I was there for just one term. And I was thankful yes. that we had to, to yes. leave this. And so we went back to the school that we had been at before that and continued, finished elementary school and then went to a Catholic school uh, in um, near the city where my mom was. She actually wanted us to go there because she had been there. It was one of the best schools, girls' schools in Uganda, and so that is where I went uh, and attended um, my high school. And uh, after that, went to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when did the decision to become like a doctor um, come? Did that come after um, you received Jesus or, you know, um, or before? Were you, were you interested in medicine since you were a child? You know, what, what preempted that? I think my decision to become a doctor started way before I was born again. Uh-huh. I watched um, some, um, I think it was the ER. We used to have it in uh, Uganda. <laughs> and for me, I loved the adrenaline, mm-hmm. especially the emergency room. And I was like, wow, I'd want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? I'd want to save lives. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then looking at them having those white coats and the stethoscope, I'm like, Yes, that is what I want to be. So that really came in before I was even born again. And uh, so when I went to high school, um, of course, I started studying towards being a doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, when did you become born again? When did that happen? I got born again when I went to high school. Okay. Earlier on, I told you my sister... She's older than me. She was two years, actually two years ahead of me. And so when she went to this high school that I went to also, one of those days she comes back for her holidays because for us, most of the high schools are boarding schools. Mm -hmm. So she comes back for her holiday and she seemed different. Mm. And I was like, wow, if my sister is different, I think I want to go to that school, to that high school. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is a Catholic high school? Yes, it's a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. So when I went to that high school, I was like, okay, what changed, you know? Because it Mm -hmm. didn't seem like the environment that I was in was what caused her to change. So I asked her, you know, I see there's a difference in you. There's a joy in you. There's something that's different in you. (laughs) What is that? So she told me, I said, you know, I I came to accept the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so how do you do that? You know, I want to get that. Wow. And um, we had a separate fellowship as um, those that were not Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, We had people coming in to teach. And um, so one of those days, uh, there was someone that came in to, to teach and he spoke about the need of us getting to to know the Lord and accepting him as our Lord and Savior and having him lead us. Wow. And that was when I was in my first year mm-hmm. of high school. And I was like, wow, I think this is what my sister was talking about. So when he made the altar call, 
I went forward and I accepted the Lord as my Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that is when my journey started. It was not something that was sudden, but it was a journey that I took. And God surrounded me with friends that knew him. And, and, and so they interested me in reading the word and just knowing, having a personal walk with him. And so my journey knowing the Lord started when I was in my first year of high school. What I find fascinating about this is because, Elizabeth, you are brilliant. And, you know, that's why she's a doctor, because she's brilliant. <laughs> but you're brilliant, but you didn't want the proof of, you know, like, show me that he's historically accurate or, you know, the apologetics. You saw it in your sister's life, and you saw it in the difference with the people that knew Jesus versus the people who didn't have that personal relationship with him. Now, could your parents tell the difference between in you and your sister when this happened? Well, I, I don't know if they saw it. They didn't say anything mm-hmm. because I think for them growing up, they wanted us, they allowed us to make our choices. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. They were not going to force us to be Episcopal, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they would have loved. <laughs> they were not going to force us to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. They made us make that decision. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they didn't tell us, but I'm sure they realized that we were nice girls. <laughs> we were not crazy. That's right. You know? Yes. We're the kind that always wanted to be home. We wanted to be helpful. I never had them telling us anything about, oh, there's a change in your life right, or anything. Right. But that is something that for me, I saw in my sister and I wanted it, you know, so. So then you... um you started into college, and you knew from the minute you started college that you were going to go in the de- direction of uh, medical. Yes, mm-hmm. that that one I was very sure. Mm-hmm. It was not easy. No. Because, um, well, I learned that I had to do sciences, concentrate on the sciences, and I'm, I was so good at the arts. I was thinking, <laughs> I, did, I had very good grades in the arts, and I was thinking, okay, I think I'll do arts. But eventually, when it came to choosing a combination for doing medicine, I realized I had to do arts. And that was when I was in my second year Mm -hmm. of high school. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? You know, but um, I did it anyway. I, (laughs) I just put that combination. I said, I'm going to do sciences. And I had to concentrate on doing my sciences because without a science combination, there was no way I was going to do medicine. And God was so gracious. I think for me, God was directing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the way. Mm-hmm. It was nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Because if it was something to do with me, I definitely would have failed the sciences. But when I went to the fourth year, because the fourth year is the last year of um, high school before you go to college and do that science combination, I remember during one of those science exams, I don't remember if I wrote anything, but I remember asking the Lord to guide me Mm -hmm. in what I wrote. And even when I finished the exam, I went home and told my friends, you know what? I don't think I'm getting any marks at Mm. all because I was very certain that Mm -hmm. I had failed. And when the results came out, I'm very certain it wasn't me because I passed and mm. passed with distinctions. Oh, my goodness. And they kept yes. telling us, you lied to us. You know, you did so well. In I said, I didn't know. 
Mm-hmm. I was shocked that I did that well, but I knew the Lord had purpose that I was going to do medicine. I I love that. So now, did you meet Juventine? Um, which is, he, Juventine is your husband. Yes. So did you meet him in college? I met Juventine at the university. Okay. So I went through college, did that science combination right. that led me to doing medicine. And then when I finished, um, we had two major universities. There was uh, Makerere University, one of the top most universities, and Mbarra University that had just started. I think it was in its sixth year. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't, I could make it to Makerere University because if they added my points and they added uh, 1.5 for a girl, uh-huh. Then oh. added a point for my mom being a lecturer at the university, I could make it. Oh. But for some reason, I told her, Mom, I'm not going to Makere. Wow. I'm going to Mbara. Mm-hmm. Mbara was about um, more than 100 miles. My goodness. Oh, wow. And she was thinking to herself, you can't go to Mbara. Mm-hmm. It is so far. You know, you're going so far from home. And I was like, I am going to Mbara. Whatever <laughs> We say and and anyway, she accepted and uh, I went to Mbara, and um, I didn't know. But Juventine says he saw me that first year that I was in university. He saw that this is the woman he was getting married to. I didn't know because I think for me, I was kind of loud. I would say loud, and uh, I was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, Juventine was the would call him a papa of the Christian fellowship. So he was already Christian. He was already Christian. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, one of those days, I think when I went to university, I was one of those people who went everywhere. You know, I was, I am outgoing. Mm -hmm. I think over the years I have drawn back. But I was everywhere, talking to everyone, you know. And um, so he sent... I think he'd seen me and he wanted some kind of protection. Mm-hmm. So he sent one of the older ladies to come and talk to me, you know. And they were like, oh, you need to be more in fellowship. Are you moving around so much? And I'm thinking to myself, really? Even at university, mm-hmm. I'm very far from my parents. Even at university, someone is trying to control me. I was like, no, this is not right. <laughs> so anyway, at one time... I was almost sent out of the Christian Union because I seemed to be everywhere. And um, I was um, a leader of, uh, I would call it a cell group, a small group of uh, young ladies. I still believe it was the Lord because I think when I look back, I was thinking, Lord, what did you see in me that they would choose me as a leader? And as a leader of that cell group, of course, I had to be exemplary. And I think that is why they were trying to get me under control. And um, when they wanted to send me out of the fellowship, the lady said, if you send Elizabeth out of the fellowship, we are going with her. You know, in this story so far, you just see the Lord from the very beginning. And as you said, in, in, the, in, the, um, in the poverty and in the plenty, yes. the Lord was there. Was. And even the leading. You know, when you could have gone to this other college and then God led you to um, a college 100 miles away, but that was where Juventine was. 
and it's so the leading and and even the um you know, I was wild in college too, even though I was a Christian. <laughs> I know that feeling. And I think a lot of people thought, wow, she's she could be a Christian and but it's that leadership. Yes. It's God preparing us mm-hmm. for the future. Um, we're gonna that's all we have time for this uh, week, but we're going to come back next week and we're going to hear the rest of it because there's so much more. There's there's meeting Juventine. There's, you know, finally your realization that he's the one. And there's the work that the Lord um, called you into. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking, you know, everyone needs to come back. They need to listen because if you liked part one, you're going to even like part Too some more, and you know, even the plenty and the poverty has really prepared you for life with Juventine and what you're doing now for the Lord. So, again, this was Elizabeth, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Imuku. We can't wait for you to come back next week and hear part two. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not-so-well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.